Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. Located in Norfolk, Virginia, the MacArthur Memorial is a museum and research center dedicated to the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur. The memorial is also dedicated to preserving and presenting the story of the millions of men and women who served with General MacArthur. Each month, the staff of the memorial will use this podcast to explore topics relating to General MacArthur and his times. Major General William Frederick Marquette was a member of General Douglas MacArthur's Batan Gang. The Batan Gang was a group of men who were very devoted to General MacArthur and who served with him on Corregidor, and then escaped with the General via PT boat. Marquette was a highly decorated officer who served in World War I, World War II, and the Korean War. He was also instrumental in post-war economics from Japan to Iran, and played a major role in Japanese baseball. This podcast will provide a brief biographical sketch of Marquette. William Marquette was born in St. Louis, Missouri on March 17, 1894, to William and Sarah Layden Marquette. He received a degree in general liberal arts from Queen Anne High School in Seattle, Washington, and then went on to begin a career as a newspaper reporter for the Seattle Times in 1916. In January 1918, at the age of 23, he joined the Army and was sent to France, leaving behind his future wife, Eula B. Dudley. During the war, Marquette served as a first lieutenant of the 1st Battalion of the 65th Artillery Regiment. In May 1918, he was transported to an American Red Cross hospital in Paris for surgery on a hernia and a case of appendicitis, but was able to return to his unit in Limoges in June. After leaving Limoges, Marquette was a part of the Battery A unit near Chaumont. While there, he assisted with the topographical preparation of the first position in Bois de Hesse, San Miguel Sector. On September 12, 1918, his unit conducted fire from 12.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. without ceasing. They only stopped when the enemy was out of range of their guns. His unit was credited with being the heaviest mobile artillery, excluding railroad artillery, to be used by the Americans. Marquette was promoted to captain on September 21, 1918. He then fought in the Argonne near Verdun, where he was gassed and required treatment from the regimental physician. When the armistice went into effect November 11, 1918, at 11 a.m., he was in saint in the Ardennes region. With the war over, Marquette departed France on January 15, 1919. When he returned home, he went back to work as the automobile editor for the Seattle Times for a year, but missed the Army life. In July 1920, he enlisted in the regular army through a competitive examination as a first lieutenant and was promoted immediately to captain. Marquette then moved around the country serving in different positions and acquiring new training. He served as the battery commander in Hawaii from 1921 until 1925. Then he attended Coast Artillery School at Fort Monroe, Virginia for a year and stayed on as part of the 61st Anti-Aircraft Artillery Regiment until 1930. Marquette was transferred to Fort Sheridan in Illinois, but then attended Command and General Staff School in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. In 1933, he was a senior instructor for the National Guard in New Hampshire until 1935. Marquette was then assigned to G-1 First Corps area in Boston, Massachusetts until 1937. From there, he was assigned to Fort Mills in Corregidor, Philippines as the 60th Civilian Affairs Battalion Commander. 
He started the Philippine Army Artillery Training Center in Fort Wendt in 1938 as a part of the U.S. military mission to government of Philippines under General Douglas MacArthur. Marquette would also be in charge of the basic training for the Philippine Army while stationed in Manila. During this time, Marquette became part of General MacArthur's small circle of close friends. While MacArthur would address all of these men in his inner circle by their first names, everyone addressed him as General MacArthur, including Marquette. In 1940, Marquette spent time in Camp Wallace in Hitchcock, Texas, to help plan and organize an anti-aircraft training center. While he was in the United States, he tried to raise interest in the Philippines, but made little progress. As he explained in a letter to General MacArthur, While in Washington, I tried to arouse some interest in the chief's office in the Philippine situation, but they're all too busy preparing plans for the new draft program that is impossible to talk about anything else. In 1941, with General MacArthur's backing, he was reassigned as an assistant military advisor to the military mission in the Philippines. As he prepared for the new assignment, Marquette was informed that his wife would not be allowed to join him. Marquette was clearly upset, and General MacArthur wrote to him, stating he had not known the War Department was going to make the decision about keeping dependents stateside when he encouraged Marquette to take the post. MacArthur wrote, In spite of the personal inconvenience you have been caused, I still believe that your opinion to accept the detail here was an eminently wise one. If war breaks, this sector will be an outpost position, which is almost certain to see action. It will certainly be the most dangerous home area that the United States defends. MacArthur went on to tell Marquette that even if the war did not come, the post would help in the advancement of his career. In the Philippines once more during this time, Marquette actively participated in early experimental development of the United States anti-aircraft artillery. When the war began on December 7, 1941, he established the first anti-aircraft defense of Manila at the outbreak of World War II and was appointed to the chief of staff of the Philippines Coast Artillery Command under General George F. Moore. In January of 1942, Marquette wrote a letter home to his wife and managed to get it home to her through Major Warren J. Clear of the War Department Intelligence. The letter opened with how glad he was that she was not able to be in the Philippines with him because of how quickly the events unfolded. Marquette wrote of the events that unfolded on December 8, 1941, starting with the attack on Clark and Nichols Airfield by 50 Japanese airplanes that destroyed three-quarters of the U.S. Far East Air Force on the ground. He also described the destruction in Manila and how it unnerved him. He went on to describe the Japanese invasion of the Philippines and the American withdrawal to Bataan and Corregidor. Since they had to leave behind dependents such as wives and children in the process, Marquette again reiterated how glad he was that his wife was safe in the United States. Marquette let his wife know they were on half rations as a precaution to conserve their dwindling food supply. Through the limited news reports he was seeing, Marquette felt the Philippine and American troops in the Philippines had been abandoned by the War Department. He was still hopeful, however, explaining to her, someday the tide will turn, but right now they have the upper hand and they know it. On March 11, 1942, Marquette was one of eight officers who joined General MacArthur on one of the four PT boats in an escape attempt. Ordered by President Roosevelt to escape the Philippines, after much soul-searching, MacArthur had agreed and then hand-picked a staff to take with him. This Bataan gang, as they had came to be known, boarded the PT boats and prepared to run what was described as an impenetrable Japanese naval blockade. Setting out, they traveled in a diamond formation, but they became separated from each other due to cloud cover and rough seas. 
At a rendezvous point, the captain of Marquette's boat thought an approaching vessel was an enemy destroyer, so he ordered the extra fuel jettison and prepared to open fire. Before the boat could fire, however, the other boat moved out of the fog. It was identified as General MacArthur's PT boat. After all the boats had rendezvoused together, Marquette's boat was abandoned and Marquette transferred into MacArthur's boat. Eventually arriving in Mindanao, the group took B-17s to Australia. In Australia, General MacArthur was urged to choose his staff from all the Allies, but largely kept his own men, the Bataan Gang, as his inner circle. It was often noted how close this group was, and moreover, how they protected the general. Some at headquarters vied quite obviously for MacArthur's favor, but Marquette was usually busy in the field. He was not involved in the intrigues going on, and MacArthur respected him greatly for this. On December 24, 1942, Marquette received a promotion to colonel. In his letters home, he assured his wife that he was well, but indicated that the Japanese had the upper hand, and that was mostly because there weren't enough American personnel to fight back yet. He also repeatedly expressed his guilt at leaving his comrades at Corregidor, especially General Moore, commander of harbor defense, who Marquette had been assigned to serve under. General Moore had wanted Marquette to stay there with him, but General MacArthur had insisted Marquette come with him. Marquette wrote to his wife that he had stayed up at nights thinking about those left behind and hoped that they didn't think he had deserted them. When the war ended, Marquette was looking forward to returning stateside with the strategic bombing board which was leaving December 20, 1945. But General MacArthur himself told Marquette he had another important job for him. MacArthur was placing his Bataan gang in top positions to help him with the occupation of Japan. Now in addition to being in command of the anti-aircraft artillery, in April of 1946, Marquette was also given the responsibilities of the Economic and Scientific Section, which was responsible for the finance, exports and imports, labor, cartel and antitrust, industrial, rationing and price control, scientific, statistics and research, and legal divisions of occupied Japan. Marquette wrote to his wife that he was not an expert economist and was only holding the job temporarily until they could get some hotshot international economists from the U.S. to run the section. He sent his regrets for not being with her on Christmas. She would eventually come to join him in Japan. Marquette was also assigned the responsibility of being the non-professional baseball commissioner in Japan on top of his duties of being the anti-aircraft commander and the chief of the economic and scientific section. Marquette had been an avid sportsman and was even part of an occupation force team made up of his staff in the economic section. Part of his responsibility as the commissioner was to open games, organize tournaments, and greet dignitaries of the game. One of the highly publicized tournaments was the Goodwill Tour of the San Francisco Seals with General Manager Lefty O'Doul. On another trip, O'Doul was accompanied by Joe DiMaggio, who took time to take a swing in his street clothes with Marquette in his military uniform as his catcher. When Marquette was about to leave Japan in 1952, he addressed the American Chamber of Commerce in Japan about the future of the Japanese economy. He said, Japan is in a more favorable position than most other industrial nations to profit by the probable economic development of the immediate future. He believed other industrial nations would be focused on producing arms more than consumer goods, and that Japan had the manufacturing capacity and an unemployed workforce. He urged the Japanese businesses to seek out business and set their standards to the world standards to remain competitive. Overall, Marquette was very optimistic about Japan's future. When the Korean War broke out in 1950, Marquette received the Silver Star for actions taken during the war. 
General Orders Number 67, dated November 23, 1950, reads as follows. General Marquette distinguished himself by gallantry in action against the enemy as anti-aircraft officer for the United Nations Command in Korea after the restoration of the Republic of Korea, but before the area was free of enemy activity, General Marquette, completely disregarding his own safety, toured the region by vehicle to obtain first-hand information vital to planning effective anti-aircraft installations necessary to forestall surprise enemy air attacks. Later, in anticipation of increased enemy air activity, General Marquette traveled over terrain harassed by sniper fire and endangered by landmines to inspect anti-aircraft installation. His personal concern for his troops, aggressive actions in ground surveillance, and presence in the forward areas inspired his units to a high degree of efficiency and contributed materially to the United Nations effort in Korea. In 1952, Marquette was named Chief to the Office of Civil Affairs and Military Government. He worked very hard to see that this branch became a separate and distinct reserve branch, which was established August 17, 1955, less than a month before his retirement. Civil affairs became part of the G5 concept that was accepted as Army doctrine and was becoming part of the training and teaching schedules. On September 15, 1955, after 35 years in the regular Army, Marquette was medically retired from the Army due to heart problems. He was the last of General MacArthur's original Philippine military mission staff to retire. After his retirement, Marquette served as a special economic assistant, a consultant for the International Cooperation Administration to Iran. In February 1959, Marquette suffered a severe stroke. On May 29, 1960, at 3.30 in the morning, Marquette passed away. His widow, Eula Dudley Marquette, received many letters of condolence from leading military, economy, and government officials. She also received a message from General MacArthur. In it, MacArthur wrote, I cannot tell you how grieved Jean and I are at the death of your fine husband. He was one of my dearest and oldest friends, and I held him in the deepest admiration and affection. As a soldier, he was outstanding, and the nation suffers in his loss. Please accept our heartfelt sympathy. Marquette was interred at Arlington National Cemetery with full military honors. In 1961, the Civil Affairs Library at Fort Gordon in Georgia was rededicated as the Marquette Memorial Library in his honor. Mrs. Marquette donated a collection of his books and cut the ribbon at the official ceremony. Today, some of his papers are also held at the MacArthur Memorial in Norfolk, Virginia. These papers are used by researchers from around the world to study World War II, the occupation of Japan, baseball in Japan, and the Korean War, all events that Marquette, as a member of the Bataan Gang, witnessed and influenced. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to contact Amanda Williams at amanda.williams at norfolk.gov.